declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will, not spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in my worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. I am increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ear to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. All right, amen. amen. If you believe that, give me an amen. amen. Let me just say this shouldn't be your declaration only here. If you wake up in the morning sometimes, just take it and speak to yourself. Read it out, meditate upon each line one by one, and you will find the Spirit of God giving light to your soul. Amen. That will be your portion in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I said that will be your portion in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Um, let's just take our seats quickly. All right. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. I will finally got a title for the series we are on. It's titled Dominion of Our Sin. <laughs> All right. I want us to do something. Today we are going to do much of declaring the word of God. Let's do more praying and less um, uh, teaching today. But as I was getting ready this afternoon, a stream of thoughts came into my heart. And I believe it's what the Holy Spirit wants me to say. So we are going to start again today by reading from the book of Hebrews chapter 5. And I want to just uh, point something out from there. The book of Hebrews chapter 5, which was where we read and uh, spent time last time. He said, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. The Bible says he can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided since he himself also is beset with weakness. And because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sins as for the people, so also for himself. And he said, and no one takes the honor to himself, but receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was. Now verse 5 says, so also Christ did not glorify himself, so as to become a high priest. But he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Just as he says also in another passage, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now it says, concerning this, our high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, in verse 7, which is actually where I'm going, just read all of that to get it in context, So in the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his piety, or literally, like King James gives it to us, he was heard because he feared. And I want to just emphasize that again to us today as we start teaching. He was heard because he feared. Last time I explained extensively that the Bible says Jesus was tempted in every way as we were, or as we are being tempted, yet without sin. And we read this to emphasize the fact that for him to be an effective high priest, he has to feel our infirmities, he has to be tempted in the same way that we are being tempted. Without that, if he doesn't feel that weakness, all right, he will not be effective in being a high priest. We discussed that last time. But the summary of what we said is that what we want to learn from that is to know that if he was weak, in quotes, like we are, 
if he was tempted like we have been tempted, yet he was without sin, that means there was something that he did that prevented him from walking in sin or falling into sin. We must remove it from our minds that the reason why he did not sin was because he was the son of God. If we think like that, we have told ourselves, listen, we will continue to sin. And that's what we see here. The Bible says, no, he was tempted like we are tempted. All right? And if it was not possible for him to sin, then it was not a temptation. If it was possible, that's why it's called a temptation. Even though it was possible, the Bible says he was without sin. And we are looking at the technology, the method, the way by which he achieved facing all those temptations and refusing to sin and not falling for sin. We looked at that extensively last time. That's why we're introducing it. And we say as believers, we must learn it. It is important that we know that it is doable. Very important. The people have said it before. I remember when I was in school, I was praying to one of my friends. He said the reason why he's not giving his life to Christ is that, look, forget that thing that you will still backslide and fall back into sin. That is a lie Satan tells to people. Okay? But if you let people understand that, no, what I'm offering to you is not church membership. It's power to walk above sin. That's what we are discussing. It's not church membership. And that's what we're talking about. So let's not ever think about it. That yeah, you, you don't have a choice. If you're in a country like this, you'll be corrupt. If you, are, if you are like this, you will fall into it. No. That is the normal human flesh. But what God offers us in Christ Jesus is a way by which we can walk above sin. It is possible. It is possible. It is very, very possible to live your life and you can't even remember when last you confessed a sin. It's very possible. If I let me tell you what God expects for believers, let me just say this, all right? What he expects is that the next time you confess sin is when you have new light. Do you, you, know, you understand what I mean by new light? That is, you now understand that, ah, this is not how it's supposed to be. I have been living like this for a long time. Yes. I now see new light. Then you confess that one away, then you step to a higher level. It's not as if the uh, Bible says righteous man falls seven times. It's not falling into the same sin seven times. Are you getting my point? <laughs> it's not as if he's stumbling on the same spot. That's what you must understand. So that's what the Bible calls besetting sin. It said, lay aside every weight, like it was saying in the book of Hebrews there, and sin that does easily beset. What does that mean? Sometimes people have things that they trip over all the time. It said, lay it aside. There is a method for doing it. And that's what we are looking at in this, our teachings, all right? So I'm just reviewing what we said last time. One more thing, let me just really remind us of the fact that I said one of the reasons, okay, the Bible tells us clearly when Paul was writing to the Corinthians, that God will never allow you to be tempted more than you are able to bear. Do you get my point? What that means is that if a temptation comes to you, what the Bible is saying is that there is a you can resist it. It's not as if I can't resist it. You can. You can. Last time I emphasized the reason why some temptations look so difficult to resist is simply because people fell for the temptation beforehand. They think they are still trying to resist. I don't know whether you get my point. You know, they think, uh, oh, this temptation, uh, let me not fall for it. They've already fallen. It's like somebody has jumped into mud. Say, let me not get dirty. You're already inside the mud. And now walking gently like this. Say, let me not get dirty. Of course, as you put up one foot, it flaps, flaps the mud onto your back. And you're still walking gently. The problem is that you're already inside what? Mud. Last time I emphasized that extensively. That that's where a lot of us miss it. We have fallen for the temptation. But because it looks small... We thought that it's not a sin, it's not a temptation. Then when the thing now begins to bear fruit, you must understand life has two aspects to it. There is a seed time and there is harvest. There's also, the Bible also uses the expression, root and fruit. So that's it. So sometimes we've already sown the seed for iniquity. Then when it begins to germinate, we want to resist. 
At that time, we don't have the strength. Not because God did not make a way of escape, but we are putting in the energy late. Are you getting my point? Yeah, you are putting the energy late. For example, he said, blessed is the man that does not work in the counsel of the wicked. Okay? And then, but you want to have friends, you decide that the Christians are boring people. I've seen people like that before. They don't want to associate with Christians because they are boring. They are not excited. No, they are boring guys. So you make friends with Agbero, Omota, and Jaguda. Are you getting my point? <laughs> because they are exciting people. And then the day they put wee-wee in your nose, smoke, you want to resist. You are already sitting in the seat of the scornful. You're, you know, you are taking counsel from the wicked. Then when they now give you counsel, you now say, I will not obey their counsel. No, that's what I mean. When you made a choice to leave the company of believers, it was when you fell for the temptation. You did not think it was a problem, so you were not resisting at that time. But now that you want to resist, you now find out that you can't, you don't have the energy. And you think the scripture is not correct, that says God will never allow you to be tempted more than you are able. But God did not say God will not allow you to allow yourself. I don't know whether you get my point. Sometimes, no, even James said it, when are we tempted? When we are drawn by our own lusts. We say, God, don't worry, let me handle this myself. And that's something I said last time. I'm trying not to preach the message again. But it's very important to understand it. One major reason why the scripture looks like it's not true is that we resist temptation at the wrong time. If you see all kinds of things I hear in the Western world, I just know that the world is really upside down. Can you remember the one, there was one, remember Julian Assange? Wikileaks. In trying to catch him, so that they can harass him for leaking the wiki. Are you getting my point? <laughs> for leaking all those things. They, they arrested him for rape. And when he had the charge of rape, if you were God, you would destroy the whole country. You know the charge of rape? That he raped a girl. You know how he did it? Did he force the girl? Uh, the girl said, he forced me at the last moment. We only agreed to lie down in bed naked. Do you hear what I said? I'm not joking. Go and Google it up. That I, my consent stopped and we will lie down together. Because my body be firewood. That's how we used to say it in the, beneath those days. He said, I bet my body not be firewood. I, I don't know whether you're getting my point. They now said, they are looking for the man. He's been hiding in the Ecuadorian embassy for years now. Because somebody said, we want to investigate the rape charge. What is the rape charge? I told him I would lie down there. Both of us will wear clothes. I don't know what he was now up to. You're turning the world upside down. Are you getting my point? And it sounds funny, but that's what a lot of Christians do. That's what we do. Listen, this is how you know you are not planning to resist sin. Who's your best friend? A non-believer. You are not planning to resist sin. Why? You have already disobeyed a clear scripture. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You've already decided my counselor must be ungodly. You have removed every ability to resist every sin. Christians be funny. You want to hang out with the guys on campus, but you don't want to do what the guys are doing. If you don't want to do what the guys are doing, hang out with the people who are not there among the guys. I've seen Christians do it. Because Christians behave one... Listen, let me tell you something. Eh? No matter how human beings behave, their behavior is bad. I will not leave them and go and live with lions. 
I will manage the human beings. You say, last time I gave Okimuti money, did not return it. I gave Israel my car keys, he jammed the car. I told my wife, let's eat bread. She brought a pancake. I don't like all these people again. So what I'm going to do? I'm going to the zoo. <laughs> what am I trying to say? It's always better to associate with people who are true believers. Now, why did I go into all of that? I just want to emphasize to us that that's the problem we often have. It is not as if God cannot help us resist temptation, but we go to where God does not want to come. We stay there and say, help me resist temptation. I say, God, God will just answer and say, no. I told you I wasn't coming. The Bible says it clearly. You know, that's what I said last time. What we call sins, most of the times they are fruits of real sins that have been committed. They are just natural manifestations. I like what the David Paulson said. That was my first time of seeing it. You know, in the world today, there's this noise about homosexuality. Homosexuality, is it right? Is it wrong? He said, homosexuality in itself, now listen to me, don't listen to the first part. Finish the whole thing, all right? He said, in effect, that homosexuality, that God is not angry with homosexuality. He said, homosexuality is a sign that God is angry. I don't know whether you get my point. It is not as if God looks and says, I don't like homosexuality. I said, no. That when God is angry, he removes people's sense. And what every, even animals know is wrong. They will start arguing that it is right. He said, when you see it, it's not the time to start arguing with people. Is it right or wrong? He said, no. God has given them over to depravity. It's when God hands people over to senselessness, they start arguing about some things. That's when the man will wake up. You know, in America right now, there's one fight that's going on. You, I wish they could just come out and look at it from the eyes of sane people. You know it's not a fight. This is the fight. Which toilet will I use in a public place? You get to the airport, you see male, female. Which one will I use? Now, do you believe, should there be a discussion on that? Pastor Banky wants the wee-wee in the, toilet, in the airport. We should be discussing which one he will use. Do you know it's a debate? And a state had to write a law that you shall use the bathroom according to the gender on your birth certificate. I'm happy you are laughing. Because it's so silly. And some are saying, ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union, is saying that it's discrimination. Some people are already dragging the matter to court. That I'm saying, oh boy, I need, uh, once I see your genitalia, I will know where you should use. They say, no, it depends on what my mind tells me. That if I feel like a woman, I will go to the female side. And if I feel like a man, I will go to the male side. And it is being discussed. You will understand why God told the children of Israel, when you get to that land, don't talk to anybody, just kill everybody. <laughs> Because discussion will not make any sense. <laughs> you are getting my point. No, please just go and check the news. You know, you read some news, eh? We should discuss this. The person said, Don't be angry. That Paul said in Romans chapter 1 that God gives people over to a reprobate mind. That this, and God is watching and laughing at them. Say, so You will not be able to think. Why am I saying all of this? 
There are sins we try to resist. The real sin was actually easy to resist. What we are trying to resist now is the fruit of sins already committed. That's it. In that case, what is the sin in a society? When they, they refuse the knowledge of God and refuse to give him thanks, then he starts handing them over to senselessness. And that was easy to resist. It was very easy to resist when Satan says there is no God. It's easy to tell him that how can there be no God? Where did everything come from? Even if I don't know which God it is, or who is it he is, what he is like, at least I know. Things don't, listen, please let me digress a bit. Mathematically, there has to be a God. The principle of mathematics alone, and advanced physics, and studying biology, and true science, even if God never introduced himself, we should have looked for him. It's like getting to a town. You've never been there before. And you, you dropped out of a sky with a parachute and landed in an... You don't know the continent. You don't know anywhere. And then you see a beautiful car there. No, let's forget car. You know car. You see a very nice structure, well-painted. Looks like a house. The first thing you check is who put this here. It doesn't cross your mind that volcanic eruption changed color and contour and then this house with window and doors and everything just appeared. It's common sense. Yet it's easier for those things to appear than for this complicated life we have to appear. It's been shown that for the simplest form of enzymes that life needs, one of the most basic you find in the simplest bacteria, a man showed mathematically that it is impossible for he to have come to the earth by chance. And the man does not believe in God. He's a, Buddhist. He's a Buddhist. Buddhists don't believe in a personal God. He's a Buddhist. And he went to court and testified that the likelihood of this happening by chance is zero. I'm going to say, mathematically. Mathematics may not tell you Jesus is the Lord. But at least we know by the principle of mathematics as we understand it today, and physics, and chemistry, and biology, life could not have come up by chance. So you see, that was, that's not a big sin to resist. You can really sit in your house and say, there must be a God somewhere. But men decide, no, we will not. Then they want to resist homosexuality. No, they can't. At that point in time, God had already given them over. To depravity. You go to some places, a man gets up in the morning, shoots his wife, his son, his daughter, his cousin, anybody around. I say, everybody dead? They say, yes. Then he shoots himself. I say, his spirit possessed him. Yes. God gave him over to madness and his spirit possessed him. That is the problem with resisting temptation. We tend to start late. We don't start early. We resist the wrong things. We don't resist the basic things. Listen, this is the word of God. The real sins are very easy to resist. The ones we try to resist and it's hard, they are the fruits of sins we have committed. David Paulson's illustration is just perfect. He said, God is not angry with homosexuality. Homosexuality is a sign of his anger. Paul said it like that. Because they refused to acknowledge him as God and they refused to give him thanks. Those are simple things they could have done. For us believers, it's like that also. If you find something hard to resist in your life, go and ask yourself, where did this start from? 
Once I was hearing a story about one girl. This girl was, you know, people who have no control. Bad. But I want bad. No, you know, I, I share what is on the road, Abby. This one, the day choir. Enter church, you go sleep with choir leader, sleep with pastor. Anything. Dangerous. I don't hear the story. Of course, choir leader in one church gave her, made her pregnant. Divorced his wife to marry her and all of those things. When I was hearing, someone said, we heard the story. And that was not the first two. She had done it somewhere else before. Today I was hearing the story. I was just listening. Young girl, though, 20-something. When I heard that story, you know the first thing I said? I said, her father cursed her. I said, this is how people behave when their fathers placed a curse upon them. Either deliberately or indirectly. This is a product of a paternal curse. Don't fight the girl. She can't help it. When you say that I can't help it, she's not lying. No. I didn't understand. I said this one. The girl needs as much help as a drug dealer, as a drug addict needs. All things you are seeing is a cry for freedom. So I said, where's her father? Ah, somebody said, her father. That the man will kill her if he finds her. I said, good. I said, I told you that this is not... This power will be broken if a father calls her, hugs her, and says, my girl, I forgive you. <laughs> Many people are resisting things that is not the problem, it's the result. Are you getting my point? It's the fruit. It's the fruit. You find anything in life difficult to fight off, ask yourself, well, it came from somewhere. Especially when you are a believer, it came from somewhere. That thing was easy to handle. You didn't handle it. You want to handle the difficult one. No. No. If you plant a, a, a seed, it's easy. Mustard seed, it's very easy to uproot it. But when that tree has grown, and that dropped its roots, they tap root down like some 10 to 15 meters, some dangerous trees. And it has spread the lateral ones like this, into the next compound, the next compound, front, back, you can't even see it. It has spread its roots into underground waters. In dry season, it's pulling up water. <laughs> and as you pull it down, you will cut tire. In my former house where I used to live, we had this big mango tree that was causing problems, drop fruit on the, on the small house nearby and all of that. So I asked my dad, and he was a trained agriculturist. I said, how can I kill this tree? Is it a mango tree? It's hard to kill. That's my, because I thought, because when I was younger, I know if you wanted to kill a tree, he brought, brought a chemical called tree killer. Peel the back. He said, mango tree. He said, I said, can't we use tree killer? He said, mango. It won't die. Ah. We burn it. He said, oh, forget it. After that, it will grow again. I said, what do I do with the mango tree? He said, you have to cut it down bit by bit. <laughs> I gave up. <laughs> no, I left the mango. It was not my house. I left after some time. This mango, remember that mango? Massive mango like this. And it used to produce bad fruit. You know, it was still good fruit now. <laughs> no, you know, there are mangoes that, all those ones that come from, um, 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 what do they call it? Agban area. You know those mangoes there? I hate that kind of thing now. You say, why do we kill you? You won't kill you. will be blessing it. Pray for it. That name of Jesus shall be well with you. This one. Useless mango. To make it worse, it used to produce fruit when normal people are producing fruit. <laughs> and when it produces the fruit, there will be plenty. Nobody wants to eat it. So it will be falling all over my compound. Rotting everywhere. That was why I wanted to kill it. Kill it. My father just told me that this is a hard one. And the easiest way is to cut it down. And the thing was too big. 
That's how sin is when it has developed taproot. When they were supposed to resist, they did not resist. So life is now hard. The word of God is true. When they say God will not allow you to be tempted more than what you are able, it's real. Many of the things we think temptation I can't resist is the fruit of sins we fell for. The Lord is good. So that's what we discussed last time. Before I get into praying, I just want to say something today. Like I told you, when I was getting ready, I, um, a stream of thoughts came to my mind, and I said this must be what the Holy Spirit wants us to learn today. Go back to that book of Hebrews chapter 5. Let me just emphasize something. We're talking about dominion over sin. Alright, let's just read from King James and just get that one. Verse 7. He said that, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared. I'll pick up the word fear because many translations try to soften it into piety. You know, godly fear. But literally, the word is what? Fear. Fear. When we soften it, I've heard people say before that, you see, God is not to be feared like you fear a rattlesnake. And I agree. God should not be feared the way you fear a rattlesnake. You should fear him more than you fear a rattlesnake. That's what I think. More. Because if a rattlesnake kills, he kills only you. When God was angry with the whole earth, he killed everybody. Kiss the son. Lest he be angry and you perish out of the way. Please, bear that in mind. God doesn't go on like a rattlesnake seeking whom he might devour. God looks to and fro the whole earth to see who he may bless. Are you getting my point? We should get that one clear. He wants to bless us. Anger is not his default position. The Bible says clearly he is what? Slow to anger. It's very, very slow to anger. I just remember this joke. I can't let it pass. I have to share it. <laughs> One day we were playing complete this sentence with my son at home. So my wife said, the Lord is slow to dash. Victory looked and said, the Lord is slow to nothing. <laughs> he said, slow to nothing. Now back to what I was saying. So the Lord is slow to anger. I'm not saying that he's always angry. I just want people to remove it from their minds that you don't just, you know, behave anyhow, believing that there are no consequences. With God, there are consequences. Kenneth Higgins said, we live in an age of fear and troubles and insecurity on every side. He said, we have to preach enough positive, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now, I can't remember the exact quote. He said, we have to preach enough positive messages and faith so that people have confidence. He said, but we also have to preach against sin because there is judgment. That's Kenneth Hagin, the father of the modern day faith movement. He said, we have to preach against sin because there is judgment. If you have not listened to this series, please go and listen to it. Divine healing that he taught in, ministers in the minister's conference. He said, many of these things we are teaching, we can't teach them in crusades. He said, because when you teach them in crusades, people come under condemnation and their faith is down. And it may not apply to them. He said, so when we come to crusades, we just say everything positive. God wants you to say, a few people will believe that and get healed. 
He said, the truth, he said, as a pastor, you can't preach the way we preach in crusades. That's what he said. He said, as a pastor in the church, you have to preach everything. He said, because many times there are reasons people are sick, and they will never get well until they repent of those reasons. You know, when you are following men, eh? be careful. Make sure you always believe the word of God. Because, and the man would, why I say that some people would say, no, can I again say that God always heals? You didn't hear all his messages. There are inner caucus messages where they teach things that they say we can't teach openly because they will be misunderstood. And he was instructing pastors. He said, so in your church, you have to preach everything. When I come for a crusade, I don't have that time. But you are the pastor. You are there, day in, day out. Show them this. If you are not walking in love, you will fall sick, you will die. I mean, he'll tell you stories of a heavily anointed minister, a particular one that died at the age of 35. This guy had more miracles in his life than Kenneth had when they were both ministers. He said, but God said to him, this boy will die soon if he does not judge himself concerning how he relates with other ministers and concerning his love for money. He was 36 thereabouts when he became ill and he died. In that series, he will tell you stories. It will be ministry. Holy Spirit just said that this boy is dying before next year. Preacher, 40. Why is he dying? He said, the way this guy looks at other women, he's married. God says he will die before the year is over. He called that one and said, come, I want you to know you're about to die. Why am I going to die? You are married. What are you doing looking at other women? And you know, look at me, he passed look alone. No. <laughs> you get my point, I'm just being nice. So the man repented and he did not die. Another fellow did not repent. Woke up one morning, shouted my head. That was it. He died before the evening was over. Why am I saying all of these things? So God is merciful. Somebody say amen. amen. He is slow to anger. Give me an amen. amen. But doesn't mean we treat him like he doesn't get angry. He's not a, he's not a spoiled father. You know, a father that's of spoiled children. He's not. He can be firm. Just that he's very slow. He gives us time to repent. He gives us time to change. He gives us time to do what is right. And he can't be bribed. A friend of mine who has a very strong prophetic unction told me a story the other day in their church. A man came to come and give a large offering. And this is my friend went to that man and said, where did you get money from? And it was embarrassing. I imagine somebody came here now. He said, Pastor Banky, the work you are doing is great. The Lord laid it upon my hand and gave it 10 million naira. And I'm still rejoicing. Hey, hey, hey. Peru, 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 Peru. You know? <laughs> now you walk up to the man and say, come. You want to give 10 million? Where did you see 10 million? I know where you work. You work in local government as paymaster. How did you see 10 million? The pastor head got angry with my friend. And said, how dare you? My friend said, Sorry. They took the money from the man, used it to build the church. One day, a small rain fell. The church collapsed. Small rain. You know, if I say a tornado for America, I will understand. One small rain. They came down. Boom. The major pillars holding the church caved in. The church sank like this. They now gather to be praying. In the name of Jesus, all the enemies that said we will not build. I was looking at them. Looking at them, he said, please stop that. Tell them straight. It's not the enemy. 
Didn't tell me this, not, didn't tell me this other part. The other part was that when I was warning you people, there's not every money you collect. When you see a man who's obviously stealing, ah, according to Tunebakari, I wrote you only, I wrote you only, I wrote you only, I wrote you only, Sorry, Tunebakari, sing out. What it means is that you saw a thief, a clear thief, you did not catch him. Your son is not into laundry business. He's bringing clothes home every evening. You should have known that your brother is a thief. And in those days, among the people who stole their clothes, is a song. So when the man, you're supposed to have caught him. I told you one of my friends, a pastor, yeah, somebody came to his church just to contrast, you know, to, to contrast this with the other experience. He is in a place where things are technically more difficult. This other church I talked about is down south here, where life is generally easier. Yet, he said one man joined his church, and that man, almost half of all the offerings the church had gave, received, the one man gave it, about one third to half. That for the first time, he could settle down and plan, knowing that this money is coming. He said, but every time the man gave an offering, his spirit would twist. He knew something was out of order. Ah, and he began to pray. If you were around when Pastor Kwaji was preaching, Pastor Kwaji said something. That there are times you have to lay down on Isaac. If you remember the minister's meeting. He said that when he prayed, by the time he finished praying, he said, look, I can't take this anymore. He called the man to the side and said, please, God bless you. We are very happy. We like what you have been doing. There's only one problem. My spirit does not rest anytime I think about it and I think about you. Is there anything you want to tell me? Because this is your money. It's, been, it's helpful, physically speaking, but it's disturbing my soul. You can imagine a man negotiating away half of his income. The man told him simply, Sir, God bless you. You are the first pastor that's bothering to ask me this question. I ha- he had been to many churches supporting ministries. Why was he doing all the support? It wasn't love for God. He was trying to kill the conscience that was talking too much. He said, Sir, I am a thief. Let's summarize it like that. Say that money is stolen money. I'm a paymaster for one of these uh, federal government agencies. It's in one remote area. They cook the books in Abuja and forward the money to a remote area claiming that he's paying people. He knows the deal that this is my portion of what my guys share. He said I, that even him, he's not at rest. So he was so grateful when one pastor came and asked him. And that one told him straight, what he always knew to be right, you have to stop. Even to the pastor, that it's not just about money now, it has now become a matter of my life. Because this is a big syndicate. This is how they milk federal government. I am involved. I will pray for you, nothing bad will happen to you. But you have to stop. And that's what he did. Now, why am I telling the story? I'm telling the story of the other people that didn't care. And God had to bring forth judgment. I hope you are getting the point I'm making here. The Lord had to bring forth judgment. Let's not take him for granted. I'm trying to emphasize what he called fear. When he said that he was ahead because he feared. One major reason why Christians don't receive the power to resist sin is that they haven't yet feared. They claim to want to resist sin, but they have not feared. They don't understand that sin is powerful. That's what I want to explain today. 
Sin is very powerful. Sin, you know, these spiritual things we talk about, we talk about faith, we talk about love, they are spiritual substances. Like if God were to open our eyes so we could descend, we'll be able to see sin in the realm of the spirit. You'll be able to see it. I think it's the oath or one of them. Frank Peretti tried to depict sin as a substance that people connected with by their actions. If you read that book, you will see there was a dragon there that was killing people. But he could only kill people that connected with that substance of sin. Please, you must get that point. Sin is not a moral... No, I keep on saying that. It's not a moral matter. It is a spiritually tangible substance. That was why God couldn't just forgive Adam and say, Adam, don't do it again. If you do it again, next time I will be angry. He couldn't. Because Adam had released a... Let me borrow a word from physics. He had released a radioactive force into the environment. And because of the radioactivity, it had to be curbed. It had to be treated. Things had to be solved. So God couldn't just say, Adam, forget it. Forget what? What about the radioactivity that's in the atmosphere? Jesus was the antidote. Adam had released poison. Sorry, wouldn't cure it. Something had to be released to counteract it. And that's what Paul called the power of his resurrection. Something had to be released to counteract it. Sin is a real spiritual force. It's a tangible substance in the realm of the spirit. Very tangible. What am I saying? Why did Jesus fear? Because he understood the power of sin. He understood that the power of sin is able to cap somebody from his destiny. He understood it. People say that destiny stealers, there is no destiny stealer out there. The, all the destiny stealers in life are inside you. No witch outside can steal your destiny. There's something I preached here some time ago. I said, let's give an example in a family. The father is a gatekeeper. The mother is an assistant gatekeeper. The life of their children is determined by what they allow inside. When you see a man committing adultery, call him, say, sir, it's not about you. You are setting up your children for a bad thing. They will enter campus, they will join courts. They won't know why. It is the adultery of the father. These are spiritual substances. These are not things like, okay, eh, they didn't find me. Who cares who finds you? It doesn't matter if somebody finds you. You drink poison. I was not there when you were drinking it. I also won't be there when you drop dead. We may never even know. That's another point. We may never know what happened. We may never know what this fellow drank. But he drank poison and it killed him. Please, follow me. I'm trying to emphasize what the Bible meant when it said he feared. Because he understood that the wages of sin is death. He said the one who could save him from death. So he was hurt because of his fear. He understood that if I don't do the will of the father, it's not that the father will just find somebody else and there will be no consequences in my life. No. 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 The soul that sinned, it shall die, applied to Jesus Christ. So if he sinned, he died. This time around, not for the sin of the whole world, but for his own sin. Thereby making him a useless sacrifice. He understood that. He understood that you are dealing with a plan of ages for which God called Abraham. 
all the experience of the house of Israel, everything they went through, and it came to this particular point, he feared. I used to think the plan of God, once it's made, you can't do anything about it, it's a fat lie. We, you, me, and, me and you can spoil the plan of God. God makes a plan, say, Apostle, come, let's spoil it. And he won't force us not to spoil it, we will spoil it, spoil it for a whole nation. Keep a whole generation in suspension until you find somebody else. You know, I've gone around preaching a bit. A few days ago, I sat down and I, almost with tears, I said, God, thank you. That I could have run away from doing this job. I could have decided that me too, I needed to have a good life. When I got to Abba, the host pastor was still leading me into the church. One man bolted and grabbed me. No, for a moment, and the man, you know, my host, he was, he didn't know he was going. Maybe I had been kidnapped at the back. Are you getting my point? <laughs> you know, for a moment, I was confused. The man held my hand like this tightly into his bosom like this. Come, 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 let me show you. 